Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Critical Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Good, and joining me this week is an incredibly special guest, film actor, TV actor, commercial actor, voice actor, Amanda Troop. Amanda, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, thank you very much for being on. It's such a pleasure. Uh, we were kind of chatting beforehand, and this is something that a lot of the people who watch the show were like, you got to get her on someday. And I was like, yeah, I would love to. So I'm glad this finally worked out. Yeah. And, uh, Thanks for asking. Of course, yeah. Well, and yeah. also, I'm a fan of your work, and a lot of people who are watching this are also fans of your work, and we're going to totally get to them. But if there are some people who are unfamiliar <laughs> with you right now... Uh, uh, if you could just give us a little taste test of who you are, like as far as like favorite, Ooh. some favorite movies, some favorite games, um, not including the one we're going to be talking about today specifically. Uh, like but what I what I enjoy person, what I'm a fan of. Yes, of course. Yes, please. Yeah. Well, I'm in I'm in a a, a nerd book club. Cool. Uh, actually, I was in two two book clubs, but one's kind of kind of uh, dissolved during the pandemic. Maybe it'll uh, come back. Sure. But so I'm an avid reader. I read a lot a lot of stuff. Um, and what do I like? I like, uh, I, I like fantasy novels pretty well. So I've read like a pretty broad swath there, but it's such a huge world of reading. So of course I haven't read everything. Um, yeah, no, I, I, for years was saying to people like, oh, you know, like when, when Game of Thrones began the TV show. I was like, well, the books are really good. You should really read the books. And everyone was like, no, I'm going to watch the TV show. I'm like, but the books are so much more in depth. They're so good. And it really, like, I couldn't get my nerd book club to read it. And I think I still haven't. We read another book that he wrote about uh, vampires on riverboats. Oh. And the name is completely escaping me right now. But that was not as good as these books. Anyway, we're never getting it. Um, there's a music video to that end. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Where uh, I don't remember. <laughs> you have to do some Google searching, but it's like this guy's like, "You have a new favorite show? It's on HBO. It's it's called Game of Thrones." And then it's like heavy metal, hard rock. Well, I run the effing ball. And just like <laughs> smashing yes. things. So I was I was like that for a bit. Um, and I was actually saying to Brandon the other day, we for a while we were reading like all the Walking Dead comics, mm-hmm. uh, you know, graphic novels together. Um, and that was really enjoyable. We did that with the Buffy, the Buffy series too. Really? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, what do I like? What do I don't like? And right now we're doing a full watch through of all the MCU. Oh, cool. Um, I grew up playing uh, computer games with my dad. Uh, King's Quest, Space Quest. Nice. Uh, 11th Oh gosh, seventh guest, eleventh. No, hello, help me. Yep. Seventh guest, eleventh hour. No, that's not right. Yeah, I did play them. I believe you. I believe you. They're gonna catch me. <laughs> yeah, not a real nerd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the fact that I I'm nervous and I fumble these things only proves yeah. um, how socially <laughs> awkward I am. That that not that that's there. I'm digging myself into a hole. Listen, you don't need to be socially awkward. I am socially awkward to be a nerd. I am also a nerd. Both of those things are true at the same time. Fair enough. I'm Amanda Troop. Yeah. This is your TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) I love Um, it. Yeah. And of course, you know, um, Brandon Brandon really got me into Disney, Disneyland stuff. Um, 
Rock on. And uh, what am I playing now? I'm playing the Phoenix um, game. Phoenix, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Immortals Phoenix Rising. Yeah, yeah. you're liking it. I beat it, and oh. now I'm playing uh, the New Gods. Nice. And that's uh, good, not as fun. One of the things I was doing in Phoenix was I was trying to get all the mounts, and I have sure. a couple uh, different kinds of Pegasuses and a unicorn cool. and a really cool horse with armor. Um, that's how I like to play games. When I was playing World of Warcraft back in the day, um, I got my Night Elf to level 76 nice. while not ever playing with anyone. Like, occasionally <laughs> I would play with Brandon, but mostly I like to play by, like, seeing how much I can do with self mode and creeping around. And so Phoenix really appealed to me because it was all, like, creeping around and exploring. Like, what's over here? Oh, this is useless and not taking me towards the end of the story at all. But I'm going to do this for, like, the next five times I play this game. <laughs> Um, it's also why I never beat Breath of the Wild. I was going to say, you, if you got into Breath of the Wild, that would have just been all you did. I, it's all I did. And then when it finally came time to fight the final battle, I just said, eh, I'm good. <laughs> you're like, Zelda, you're fine. You're going to be okay. I yeah. got work to do over in yeah. Tarrytown. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic. Okay, well a varied uh, amount of things that you've been into. But I do have to ask very one specific question here. You did bring up Disney and Disneyland for one second. Favorite attraction there. Do you have one? I mean, this is tough. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to probably say... The build-up. Yeah, the build-up. I'm probably going to say Haunted Mansion... Because I like how immersive it is, mm-hmm. but I also love Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. Very good. But then, but then, I've, and I've only gotten to write it once, um, but the new, uh, um, help me with the name, the Star Wars. Rise uh, of the Resistance. The, that one. Yes. Yeah. Holy smokes, that's a ride. Wow. We got to write that in January of 2020. And um, that was an all-day saga. We went for Brandon's birthday. We had my mother-in-law over babysitting our our petite baby. And um, we got there at, I think, 6 in the morning. Yeah. So we could be in the gate right when it opened, hit that button to get in the queue. Mm -hmm. We were put on the wait list. And we were like... They said, like, if you're not, like, I don't remember exactly, but I think it was, like, if you're not under 90, don't, you're not getting on the ride. And we were, like, 98 or 104, oh. something like that. And we were, like, oh. And I said, well, let's just see. Let's just see. And so, like, by 10 a.m., the queue had moved forward really fast. And uh, so we called my mother-in-law. We were, like, how long do we have? And she goes, you can stay all day. <laughs> and we ended up riding it around 8 p.m., Nice. And like, wow. Yeah. Wow. And I'm glad we did because that was actually the last time we went to Disneyland. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was actually there in Disneyland four days before they closed everything down. Mm-hmm. So I got out right mm-hmm. before that. It was the weekend before. Had a great time. Disneyland's fantastic. I love it so much. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. But, but great like, picks. Like, you know, and the thing about Disneyland is, like, you asked me, like, what my favorite thing is. I think my favorite thing is, like, after you've ridden some rides – and it's kind of hot, 
and you get a snack and you find some shade and you just sit and watch people. Yeah. I think that's actually my favorite thing to do at Disneyland. What a pure like answer. Just, that's great. Yeah. That's so just good. Just to be. Yeah. Just be there with my popcorn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I always tell yeah. people the best moments are the ones that it's not going to be like the ride or the dinner. It's like the people you're with and like the things that happen kind of around you, kind of like what you're talking about there, because you'll see people from all walks of life going through experiencing having the greatest day of their life. Some people having not the greatest day of their life and just yeah. all over the place. And it's just so yeah. cool. And you're in California, but you're in a jungle or you're in New Orleans or you're in yeah. the, tomorrow. Like the and you know, I'm, I did a voice in in uh, in Star Wars Land. Yes, I, did, I didn't know I, about I'm that. Three, I'm three voices in there. It's hard to find me. I've never heard myself. But You're like going around. I'm in there. You're like, I'm, I'm here there. somewhere. Uh, uh, I played a character named Salju, who's a like a mechanic in the like oh. the the little bay there, like the mechanics bay yes. where I think they have a stunt show there, which I've also never gotten to see, but apparently. At some point, my voice comes out of somewhere. Okay. And then when you're in the the corridor where all the shops are, mm-hmm. I'm uh, voices coming out of two of the windows. Oh, dang. I'm like a little girl talking about uh, a toy that she just got. And then I'm uh, a woman yelling at her brother to stop watching the pod races. Sure. I'm sure yeah. I heard you one of those nights because I find that when you're there in Batu and it's like really when there's nobody there, that's when you can actually hear the ambiance mm-hmm. and stuff. Like you can, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I can hear someone talking over here. So I probably yeah. heard you at one point. And it was just it was yeah. so immersive. I didn't know. I didn't know it was yeah. you. You didn't stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> Next time I go, I'm going to be like, Amanda, I'll just start sending you yeah. like audio clips. This you? Is this you? Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you may. You may because you might catch me. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll be like, you yeah. have to go right over here. I was here at like five yeah, I mean, at it, night. <laughs> I think it really speaks to how layered um, the Imagineers made the oh. the sound design of the area because you can be there and like not really hear any repetition. You have to wait for a long time to hear the same thing again. And how cool is that? So cool. That they that they made that made it such a sensory experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well I've mm-hmm. heard a lot, especially with like Tony Baxter, um, one of the Imagineers who did like Big Thunder Mountain and stuff. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't design a ride for the first ride, it's the twentieth ride. So when you go on at the twentieth time you see something you've never seen before. Yeah. So it's kind of like that imagineering kind of philosophy yeah. baked in. Yeah. It's so cool. Ah, it's so gosh. cool. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Okay, well, this is not a Disney. I can make this a Disney podcast, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to show yeah, what, the what are we talking about? Why we're talking, are we here? We're talking about something. We're talking about your favorite film of all time, oh, or so gosh. you say. No, uh, we're talking today about The Princess Bride, Yeah. which I hope is still the right. We're talking Princess Bride. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, like like sometimes I think it's changed, and then I'm like, sure. no, it's the same. It's always been The Princess Bride. And, like, for a while, it was between that and The Goonies. Oh, okay. But you kind of can't hold a candle to Princess Bride. Like, The Goonies is just not on the same level. Sure. And when I was, uh, like, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in that range, I had on repeat The Princess Bride or I had on um, Hallmark Hall of Fame Presents The Secret Garden, which we recorded off the TV onto a Betamax tape. Very cool. And so I had all the commercials and everything. But but again, just because I watched it a lot doesn't make it my favorite film. But like, you know, and, and Brandon contends that the only flaw with um, The Princess Bride, and Brandon's my husband, by the way, and he works uh, for Easy Allies. Yes. Uh, just FYI, I'm, I'm like Raph versus Brandon. Like, yeah, you know, Brandon. <laughs> Everybody knows Brandon. Everybody yeah. knows Brandon. Yeah, we're all friends. Um, <laughs> but uh, he contends that the movie could be better if it had 
orchestrated music and not synthesized music. But I contend that it's perfect as is because the the synthesized kind of like gives it a little levity even in the more serious moments. And it's so, I think, so well acted and performed that it's nice to have a little like (laughs) underneath some of the more like the, 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 you know, like. Inigo Montoya's serious scenes. Mm-hmm. Like they still have that deep impact, but then you're still reminded, like, this is a, a jolly romp. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, and uh, and for anybody out there who hasn't watched The Princess Bride yet, uh, it's streaming right now on Hulu. I'm sure you can get it other places, but this will be... We're just going to talk about it very open-endedly. Spoilers are fully on. It's been out since 1987. You should have seen yeah. it by now, right? You should have seen it by now. Come on. Go should... watch it. Go watch Pause it. Pause the podcast. Watch it. Come back. Exactly. Yeah, we can do that. We have the technology. Uh, but I was really fascinated to hear that this film... Um, with Rob Reiner directing, he called the the company, I think Fox or whomever was doing it, he said, like, I don't want this to be another Wizard of Oz, where he mm-hmm. meant it flopped that first weekend, and then over, like, a few decades, it becomes like, oh, this thing. And uh, apparently, it did very poorly right away, yeah. but then... It well, have did... you seen the trailer? I actually, I think I have seen it a, a while ago. It's not... It doesn't sell it. it yeah, it doesn't sell, sell it, it as well as it could, right? No. Uh, yeah. But then on VHS, it did crazy. People were starting like yeah. the word of mouth, like you gotta watch this. People were like I should have seen this yeah. in theaters, and you know all the people who are on this movie, they're like, yeah, well, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. glad you're seeing it now. But a lot yeah. of people I've heard talk about this, not just you, but um, when I said that you're gonna be on, we're talking about Princess Bride. People were like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I love that movie. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. I haven't found I mean, any the people. Ca- who don't the like cast it. is legendary. Like you know, yeah. it's 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 like. It's like what a what a tour de force. Yeah. Really. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, you know, to be honest with you, Robin Wright, I did not recognize her at first as Princess Buttercup. Oh, really? Which is really weird yeah. because I'm used to seeing her nowadays as Antiope in like in Wonder Woman. She's mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. this. I'm gonna beat everybody up. I'm the strongest lady yeah. possible. Whereas in this film, Goals. she's kind of she's Goals. she's like yeah. the classic damsel in distress princess. There's not as much to her but she knows that she she loves this person mm-hmm. and it transcends death but again the... she acts it so well they yeah. all they all really commit and i think that that's one of the things that really works about it as a comedy is that they aren't playing at it they are they are playing these characters with as much feeling and connection as possible yeah and and i think the direction really really shines there too and the pace is so good you yeah, know you it just moves. You just, yeah, like you turn that movie on and it's over. And you're like, wow. Yeah. That was amazing. Um, yeah. I, it's great. I love it. I love it. And, uh, and, and flash forward many years, I go into a callback for a commercial and the director's there and he's this cute man around my age and, and he's giving me direction and I'm like, <laughs> so funny. He looks like Fred Savage. Da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, <laughs> Is this Fred Savage? And I walk out and I talk to one of the session runners. I'm like, is is this commercial being directed by Fred Savage? And they're like, yeah, that's Fred Savage. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I didn't know that going. Yeah. <laughs> because of course, being that age, like he in that, and then on the Wonder Years was like my childhood crush. Sure. And so and so then I did I booked that, and I've actually booked. I worked up, uh, the last thing I did before everything shut down was another commercial that he directed. So I worked with him twice, which is like, think, like, think about the, the deep soul string, but that, like the, 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 the beautiful harmony of my soul and getting to, like, 
oh my gosh, what a treat. Like, uh, starstruck and, I don't know, fangirling and, and yet also, like, the, 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 the beautiful circle. I can't, you know, like, I, I, I can't even express it, like, how exciting it is, but also, like, how how cool it is that, like, watching that film as a kid all the way to now in my, in my adulthood, working with him as a peer is, like, what, what, how, I, this must mean I, I set off on the right path going yeah. into acting. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's like poetry. Or maybe not. I don't know. No, no, definitely. <laughs> no, and I'm sure yeah. I would, I'm sure he's not here. I don't know him, but I would imagine he would say he's lucky to be working with you too. Because uh, you wouldn't be a part of his work if it worked. He is, you know? he is a sincerely nice guy and a really good director. That's really cool. So, I remember yeah. one of the last times I was introduced to him, but it was more so um, on Boy Meets World as Corey's, um, like, this professor who mm-hmm. was, like, a bad guy, even though Corey and Fred are brothers in real life, and he, like, pushes Fred <laughs> through some doors, and it's a whole thing. Um, so I was always like, Fred Savage is kind of, like, the bad guy, like, the creepy guy who comes to, like, the girls, and it's like, no, no, definitely not that. No. It was, like, one role, you know, on a thing, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, he's done all this other yeah. stuff. Because uh, the Wonder yeah. Years was a little before my time, unfortunately. But uh, it sounds like it was still really impactful for you. Yeah, it's before you know? my time too. Of course, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you t- <laughs> well, you're well, you're like twenty nine, thirty. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Good for you. Yeah. And you're so Thank and you. you're already so involved. Like you have, you're just like Fred. I watched the Wonder Years on a, a VHS. I don't. What is that? I kind of grew yeah. up with it. I don't know what you're talking about, man. Uh, but that's so cool, though. That's I can't. I would, for me, it'd be like working with like Peter Jackson on a commercial or something, and I'd be like, "Who's oh, yeah. that?" I'd be like, "I'd be like, yeah. I can't even." I'd be like, "Oh gosh, please." <laughs> yeah, like you just, you just, you do giving yourself a little mental pep talk of like, like you know, just, just keep it together. Yeah, just, just, keep it cool. Just keep it together. Yeah, nothing just keep big. It cool. Yeah, You're just a person. Try to be a person. Remember how to be a person. Yeah, oh, definitely. Well, it's funny. I was watching the documentary that they made about this. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like a half-hour documentary that they have behind the scenes on the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like on the DVD extras. Yeah, I think I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fred's on there, and it's funny because he talks about his role as the grandson, and he's like, I was kind of just there, and I was like your everyday kid. I got kind of too into the games I was playing, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm like on a movie set, and it was the first thing he had ever really done. And uh, just playing it very, like how any like the little kid in me like totally i'm like oh i get why you jump back to this because like that's the framing of the story and he plays yeah. it so well you know yeah and then peter yeah. falk's there uh, as the grandfather who's just fantastic i was like this yeah. guy should like i almost wish he was a character in like the the fictional part just in the background somewhere because he's just so interesting i'm like oh he's right. so cool right it's like this guy's so great uh yeah. but for you like who's your favorite do you have any favorite characters obviously so that's kind of a tour de force of actors is there anyone I that mean, stand out I- I mean, I think I think for for purely like the level of acting chops brought to it, Mandy Patinkin as Inigo Montoya is my favorite. Um, but then, yeah, you gotta love uh, Christopher Guest. Yep. You know, it's like well, uh, and then. Um, Uh, hi. Hi, how you what's, doing? What's the name of the actress? I can help you. Um, yeah, help me. I don't want to pull up IMDb right now. I already have um, pulled up. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, liar! Back witch! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife, but after what you just said, I'm not, I'm not sure if I want to be bad anymore. Are we talking, you're not talking about Carol Kane? 
Carol Kane. Carol Kane. We did it. Yes. Carol Kane. <laughs> Carol Kane's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Carol Kane was on Sesame Street, too. Oh. What a funny appearance. We're watching a lot of Sesame Street these days, let yeah. me tell you. And we started, I decided to go way back and watch the early days, which is so interesting how oh, it's yeah. changed. Um, and the pace has sped up, too, as, as we get more and more modern. Um they they take a little less time with certain things, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but Carol Kane was on it as the nice person who lives in Grouchland. So they oh. visit Grouchland, and so you know how Oscar's the Grouch that lives on Sesame Street. Well, she's the nice lady that lives in Grouchland, and what That's a funny, great. yeah. Anyway. And then she plays this role, and it's not even... For those Sesame Street fans out there. Yeah, oh, totally. Well, who isn't? I'm a huge Sesame Street fan. Cookie Monster is my spirit animal. I love him so much. I I resonate with him. He's doing a bunch of stuff these days where he's, like, in Harry Potter knockoffs, or, like, they put him, like, a Jurassic Park, like, in the show. Like, they do, like, Cookie Monster is in, like, in his own wizarding school and stuff, and he's, like, a wizard. Yes, what? you should check this out. So Cookie's been like... Is this on Sesame Street? It's on Sesame Street. Yeah, it's supposed well, to... Well, we'll get there. We're watching it in chronological... I, I okay. don't want to... No spoilers. I'm so sorry. My bad. I didn't we're watching know. It. We're watching it from the beginning. Okay, you know, fair enough. Are... Look, we just got to Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> Elmo's got a wiggle. Elmo's got He's a got wiggle. A wiggle. He's got a silly wiggle. He's got to show it off. That was the episode today. Oh my gosh, that reminds me of uh, one of the behind the scenes on with Robin Williams on there with Elmo, and uh, at the very end, Elmo says, "Thank you very much, Mr. Robbins," and then uh, he he's like, "Oh no, I only had two lines!" Like he screwed it up after this whole uh, thing, and Robin Williams is just kind of he's playing around. It's like, oh, it's so yeah, good. Oh, I was that's like, so funny. Yeah. Okay, but so yeah. Valerie sticks yes. out to you, and she's not like she has a it's a minor role, but it's a memorable one because she's playing off Billy Crystal. And, it's like, like it's like the whole people. movie is cameos. Though. Yeah. There, there, it's like, there's no minor role everybody and they're all people that you see everywhere like yeah. you know it's all-star cast so yes yeah, sorry go no, on no no i was, was gonna say question? no that was gonna say I, I love that that's the one like some of the ones you picked out it's so, like with anigo mm-hmm. being as one of the main ones then valerie one of the like lesser known ones. Yeah. i thought it was gonna be like the queen or something for a second but i was like i don't think she's i don't think that's who she's referring to <laughs> at first year but um no. yeah i also was kind of marveling at the fact that this was made on a pretty tight budget, but there's some really great sets, and they actually mm-hmm. shot on location in England, which is mm-hmm. super duper cool. Like, it feels really authentic, and like the performances, it's all so sincere. Like, yeah. it is a satire, but at the same time, it's like everyone in it is being like, I am this person. This is, like, where we are, mm-hmm. like, physically. And I think mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing, you know? You don't yeah. see that as yeah. much nowadays, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's gorgeous, yeah. Yeah. So for you, when it comes back to watching this, like, now you used to watch it a lot, do you still revisit it pretty frequently? Or is it something that you're like, ah, once in a I while? Think it's a, I think it's a once a year kind of a thing. Okay. You know, usually around the holidays, there's sort of a, you know, it'll be fun to watch The Princess Bride. Yeah. You know, Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, it's yeah. funny because I watched it a few years ago with my family, like for New Year's. And it was kind of one of those like, mm-hmm. hey, you watch it around the holidays type thing. Yeah. And uh, I was researching this a little bit. But Peter Diamond, uh, who is kind of one of the stunt coordinators behind mm-hmm. this, uh, helped make that incredible like sword fight scene uh, that we have. Unbelievable, uh, right? So good. One and- of the most amazing sword fight scenes period. Yeah, it's so yeah. great. Yeah. And uh, learning more about how... Um, for people who don't know, Peter Diamond worked on Raised the Lost Ark, Star Wars, a uh, bunch of different things, really well known as a stunt coordinator. But 
they talked about mm-hmm. that Carrie and um, Patty were kind of, they'd watch these old like black and white sword fighting films and they're like, find the, the most intense things that they could possibly do. And they're like, can we do that? And mm-hmm. they learned how to do all of it. And it's them in every shot of that mm-hmm. sword fight. It's all mm-hmm. them and it's so authentic and oh, it's just so good, but fun. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about it. It's just, you, it's not like it's dangerous, but in a um, kind of a, a less like harrowing way. I don't know if you get that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's part of the fun of it is that the, the danger, the, the, the stakes are high, but simultaneously, you know, like there's a safety to it. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's why it's again, like it's like a holiday watch or like, you know, it's a kind of a comforting film is just that they, they ride that line where it's like, wow, these are masters. And actually, you know, there's a little bit of bloodshed in it. And it's like, Oh, there's a risk. And like, you know, towards the end, like Inigo gets really messed up. So you get that first taste of his skill with, um, uh, with, with Wesley, uh, and, but then you, you see him, uh, beaten in that scene. And so it's sort of like, okay, this is the best swords person in the world until he met the man in black, whose, whose motivation is true love, which is of course, like what the story is about is like that motivation. And I think in a way, you know, it's nice maybe in the film version, in the book, it's a little bit different. Um, but in the film, you know, it sort of is like, well, he's driven by revenge, but also the love of his father and the love of his father eventually is what gets him. He's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to keep saying my mantra and I'm going to, you know, follow through on my revenge. But then he doesn't know what to do after his revenge, which is like, you know, a lesson. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, and it sounds yeah. like in real life, Patty um, lost his own father to cancer. And he said, when I finally stabbed, you know, the this guy I've been chasing forever, the six fingered man, he's like, Are, do like, you mean Mandy? Patinkin? Sorry, Mandy. Sorry, Mandy. I'm going to say Mandy. I, you said Patty. And I was like, uh, who's Mandy. Patty? Well, I'm going to go with this. Yes. Yeah, sorry. He's Patty now. Yeah, Patty. <laughs> I've, I've combined it together because like that last name throws yeah. me off. And I'm like, Patinkin, yeah. Patty, Patinkin. Mandy. Mandy Patinkin, yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah. he talked about, he's like, when you say that last line there, he's like, I felt like I was killing the cancer that killed my father, and he was kind of, it was like mm-hmm. a therapy, it's a catharsis. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, because you feel it when he says that, you're like, oh my right. gosh, like he finally got his revenge, but it was like a justifiable revenge, you know, kind of thing, and the, like you said, he's kind of after, he's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, right. he's kind of... Well, and so, and in the books, he, like, you know, so, so everything goes into far more depth. You learn so much more about each character. Oh, cool. Um, and, uh, uh, and <laughs> the end of the story, he, I mean, you know, they kind of, they joke at it in the, the film where he goes, you know, I devoted my whole life to revenge and I'm not sure what to do. And Wesley goes, have you ever considered pirating? You'd be a wonderful man in black or whatever, or Dread Pirate Roberts or mm-hmm. whatever. And, um, he's like, hmm, maybe, but like the, I, I, I haven't read the book in a while, but like the end of the book, it's like. And they lived happily ever after until, you know, Indigo, uh, you know, felt this thing or, you know, somebody's wounds opened up again and uh, Buttercup and Wesley realized they had nothing to talk about. And like, it was sort of like, they lived happily ever after 
Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, you also bring up a great point, too, about uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts. I love that uh-huh. that's like a weird mantle passed down between people who aren't necessarily the most dangerous like when they come into contact with that person, it's like, well, the previous one gave it to this person, the previous one gave it to this person, and then you right. get to kind of do whatever you want because you're like, I am the Dread Pirate Roberts, and people are like, oh, right. really? The, na- the name is the thing, yeah. not the, yeah, yeah. And it's just like at the end of this, you could maybe retire and you have like a happy life, but if you want to just kind of see the world and do a bunch of different things, then you can do that. Right. Which is, right. I think is really fascinating. And I kind of wish yeah. I could have seen that, like Wesley meeting him, but I get that's the whole point early on to be like, mm-hmm. well, he goes off to find wealth and fortune and then come back for Buttercup. And it's just kind of ancillary to what the real driving force of the mm-hmm. plot of love, which it yeah. is, uh, which I think is well, great. Well, one of the things that all the characters have in common, the the, the Buttercup, Wesley, um, Fezzik, and um, Inigo, is that they all, and, and even um, that... Uh, what's the inconceivable guy's name? Oh, is it? I think it's. Oh, let me just double check because I know that was the question. It is. Oh, Vizzini. 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 Yeah. Um. Even even he. They all are people that devoted their lives to something, yeah. and and worked toward something, and it, it, this is. Take it for what you will, Buttercups, <laughs> and I don't know that she necessarily works toward it except after she falls in love with Wesley. Um, but but she's what like the her whole thing is she's almost the most beautiful woman in the world. And there's this whole and obviously the book is all written very tongue in cheek too. But there's like a whole like ranking system of like at this time this woman was the most beautiful woman in the world, and this woman was you know and like the rise and downfall of their beauty. And Buttercup was like the 70th most beautiful woman in the world at the start of the story. And then she falls in love. And this is in the book, obviously. She falls in love with Wesley. And he goes off to sea. And she tries to become more beautiful. But when she hears that he has died, her grief is what finally pushes her over the edge and, and she becomes the most beautiful woman in the world. Mm. So she has that arc where she's she's worked towards that. And then Wesley, in trying to get back to Buttercup, becomes the most capable fighter and pirate uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. Fezzik is the best wrestler in the world. Inigo is the best sword fighter in the world. And Vincini is the smartest conniver in the world. And so there's this like, and then, but then there's also the, like the six finger man who's the most, I don't know, vindictive in the world Maybe. or selfish. I don't know. Yeah. But they, they are, they're all like they, these people that have kind of gotten to the, the peak of their, whatever it is that they want to do. And now they're, they've come together in this story and I forget where I started. That's okay. I like, I was going to say about this, uh, I love that Prince Humperdinck is the greatest, like, hunter or tracker in the world. Right, he's like, the great, yes, exactly. Which you They're wouldn't think that. about, right? Yeah. Like, usually that would, I would think would be saved for the six-fingered man. Like, he would be like the tracker, but he gets down off his feet, he's like, there's a great battle here, 
somebody and then somebody mm-hmm. ran away and somebody went this way and it was just like oh yeah. that's kind of fun but you're right everybody's the greatest but um wesley becomes like even greater still because of his quest right. for love right. and then also kind of he's he's a little jilted he's like a jilted lover like he's treating buttercup pretty poorly for a while he's well, like how thing, dare yeah. you you know you left me you didn't believe yeah. i'd come back for you yeah. yeah but we had we had the greatest love in the world yeah and so but i think all of these superlative versions of things mm. again that's kind of where the the stakes lie and and why the comedy works is like it's it's absurd yeah. that they're all the best in the world and they're all, you know. So, I mean, William William Goldman, who wrote it, is uh, just an extremely gifted storyteller and uh, screenwriter. And so he, it's also neat that he wrote the book and the screenplay. Yes, yeah. And I don't know if you've read any books by him on screenwriting, but. I don't think I very, have yet. He's a very, uh, he, he's passed, but he, he's. Uh, he really breaks it down in a really fascinating way. That's really cool. And it's funny yeah. because when I was watching kind of the behind the scenes about it, he talked about he's like a lot of people who write these things, uh, they want to be on set. And he's like, I didn't because what happened is one day I was there during the fire swamp sequence and uh, heard, you know, Buttercup's dress catches on fire. And he's like, I yelled out that, oh, my gosh, your dress is on fire. And he's like, I completely ruined the take. And he's like, it was hard for me to be on set because I would react too much to it. And I was like, oh, that's so that's That's great. See, a lot of sincerity. It's beautiful. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, And I think, like I said at the beginning with the sets and everything, even the monsters and everything, all of it's real. And I think that's what makes it hold up even better, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Mm -hmm. There's something about that kind of tangibility with like the the rodents of unusual size or the yeah. shrieking eels and stuff like that like there's right. like a real threat and you're like oh my gosh even though they're not the real true threats to love they're just kind of these obstacles mm-hmm. that kind of come in you know from the exterior and i was just like oh mm-hmm. man that's great even though i'm like yeah, they're freaky right yeah it's, like, it's it's nice it's nice to have something without cg yeah exactly yeah, yeah it's yeah. just a, the it's practical like, effects are really uh, really uh yeah, that's so good. I think it grounds it. It grounds it. Yeah, it's just it was a pleasure to go back and watch this and uh, you know talk about it with someone who if yeah. it's you know it's your favorite film of all time or you know one of your favorite films of all time and I think a mm-hmm. lot of people it's really resonated with and it's uh, you know very straightforward but the framing I think is interesting. That's something I got a lot of questions about the the grandfather talking to the grandson about this. Mm-hmm. For you personally, do you like that framing or do you think that you could have just done the full fantasy just oh no know. i think i think it's great and you know in the book um and i know uh uh this is one of the questions william asked this on uh on the twitter yeah. um but in the book uh the framing is if i recollect correctly it's much more the writer dealing with his divorce oh. and trying to i think connect with his son okay. and uh, and it's almost, I think that there are, and there are three voices in the book. There's the, the writer who found the princess bride. Mm-hmm. And then within the book is the good parts version. And so the good parts version and in the book, they have them in different colors um, I don't know if that's how they do it in the paperback, but if you have like the hard copy of it, the text is different colors. And I and I read this originally when I was like eleven or twelve. From I got it from the library, um, and uh, so there are 
multiple voices narrating the story. And I think that it's, I don't remember if it's the author is deciding on the good parts version because that's what he wants to give to his son is just the good parts of the story. But of course that kind of reflects backwards into like, if you were going through a divorce, Mm -hmm. you might want to only give the good parts to your child. And, and so that's a very interesting level, but it's, it's, it's a lot to put into a film. And so essentially what they did with the film was they said, let's just do the good parts version as the film and have it be the grandpa reading this book to his grandson. And so we can be left wondering, is the grandfather actively opting to skip passages, which in fact, he says he does. He skips the kissing parts Mm -hmm. for his son or for his grandson because he's like, that's gross. I don't want to hear that. Um, but is he also skipping other parts that are not so interesting? Like, if I remember correctly, I think there was a sequence about golfing that was like a joke in there. Like, oh yeah, and then this, and then the prince talked about golfing for a while. But it like it, it's literally been quite a while since I've read it. Um, so don't at me. That's okay. Or actually, do at me. <laughs> Tell me what I've messed up. Do it nicely. Yeah, um, respectfully. So respectfully, like um, Amanda, that. you made that up. You had a dream about the golfing sequence. <laughs> like, okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. But but so but so still, that's I think that in that way, the storytelling is that story within a story. So I like mm-hmm. I like that they made that change for the film. I think it's effective. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with you. And like you said, you had a question. We had at least one on Twitter. And I do want to get to the questions because a lot of people had questions about uh, not only you, but about Princess Bride that we can kind of jump into here, Mm -hmm. here at the end, kind of a lightning round, as it were. So many questions, not even on just Twitter, on the Discord, too. Uh, And I'm going to I want to start with uh, this one comes in from Caden. He says, questions for Amanda. He says, first of all, love your work. There you go. I didn't want to put it as a question because it's not. Uh, he says, what are some of your favorite roles that you've done, voice acting or otherwise? It's so hard <laughs> to answer that question. Sometimes I say it's whatever my next one is. Oh. Um, I, I do fall in love with many of my characters. Um, I think that's kind of part of the process as you begin to live in their skin and, and through them. Um, well, so I'll say recently I got to do an audiobook that just came out, Go the Distance, where I got to play Megara from, uh, the Disney Hercules films. Cool. Um, this is a sequel to Hercules and it's what if Megara had to become a god and it's her quest. And I got very into being her and I really loved, I loved, I loved that book. I loved playing that uh, but then if we like go back in time, like I did Agnes of God, I loved being Agnes on stage. That was a, a beautiful, beautiful role to play. Um, I liked playing Gulu in, um, in, uh, uh, the rage, rage two video game. Yeah. That was a fun one. Um, uh, it, it's, it's very hard. I, I don't want to play favorites. Okay. I, I love, I love being other people. So. It's hard. It's a hard choice. That's okay. That's not. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I like when you like sat back when I asked you at first. You're like, oh no. Like I have to like. It's like the weight hits you. You're like, oh, I can't choose between these. I can't or, like, choose. Yeah. Love them all. It's okay. Yeah. I totally understand. Um, 
And they says, any advice you wish you knew starting out as an actor that you could give to aspiring actors? Yes. Two, two pieces. Um, okay. Th this is advice that, that I did do. I did take this, okay? Which is being classes, always be learning. Hmm. Always, always be in some kind of acting class or be in a play, always be working on your craft in some way. Second, Be assured in yourself that you have something to offer, that you you yourself are unique and you're bringing something that no one else has to the acting world because your experience is unlike anyone else's experience. And so because of that, you are valuable and you matter. And even if you are in situations where you're feeling like there is rejection, um, come back to that. Come back to that sense of, of valuing yourself and knowing that you matter and that you have a story that's worth telling. Um, because the, the industry will tell you that you are the lowest rung, uh, but, but really you are a person and they are people and you know, do everything with respect and kindness, but but know that you have value no matter what. Um, and there was something else in there that I wanted to say. Oh, have something else that's important to you too. Uh, don't just follow your passion in acting so single-mindedly that you have nothing else in your life. Mm -hmm. Volunteer. Um, have a hobby do you know find something else that you that you love a lot that you can do so that you don't become completely subsumed and one-dimensional you know being an actor means that you are someone that is trying to express the experiences of um myriad people and you cannot do that if all you do is go to casting director workshops and acting class and industry parties and auditions. Like it's just going to make you um, too uh, closed off. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you're getting back out there, that you have other things that you do and that you're learning, not just about acting, but about many things. Wow. That's fantastic advice. Also the word subsumed. Fantastic. So good. <laughs> have I mentioned I'm in two book, book clubs Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yep, that's right. One of them is all about dictionaries and thesauruses. We yeah, love it. <laughs> you know? Here, let me just like a little, little light reading right here. Oh, what's this? What's this that I have right here? Oh, 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 what's this? Oh, it's just a, it's a dictionary. Yes. I just yes. had, I have a dictionary right here. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's wonderful. You're just like, and here we go. I got a pocket one over here. Uh, it's actually one of the only books that we've unboxed from our from our books yet. We don't have bookshelves yet, so we have boxes of books that oh. need to. So got my dictionary out. That's a good one to have. You pulled a good one. You pulled a really good one. Thank you. Yeah, Thank definitely you. for sure. Uh, <laughs> this one comes in from Mecca Recca. 
Uh, and he wants to know, how has your acting career, voice work, or live action been affected by the pandemic, by COVID? Well, um, I, different actors have chosen different ways to, um, different things that work for them. Uh, you know, production did shut down for a while, and then it started up with many precautions. You know, uh, I know that productions are spending tons of money on COVID tests, making sure that their sets are safe. Um, uh, for me, with a little kid and with my in-laws who live nearby, I knew that my level, my my threshold of comfort was going to be a lot uh, lower. And so I said to my agents, you know, here's what I'm comfortable with. Um and a lot of productions, like commercials, were being shot from people's like private homes with their actual family members, or they'd have an actor completely alone doing something outside. And so when I had opportunities for things like that, I auditioned for them. Um, but voiceover-wise, uh, pretty early on, I thought, oh, we're going to be working from home, and I need to make sure that I have the tools and that my booth is tuned up. So I actually like called up some friends who are sound engineers and I had them work with me to make sure that my, my voiceover setup was as good as possible. I got software so that I could connect um, for recordings uh, because what started happening was you'd get an email and it would say, to audition for this, you must have Source Connect, which is a, a, a way that you can connect for, for voiceover work. Uh, so that they can record you directly on their end at the studio. Mm. Um, and uh, so I went and I, I upgraded my voiceover stuff because I knew like this is going to be my main focus for the foreseeable future. And so for me, uh, it actually was an interesting thing because my, my acting scope, which has been kind of broad, really narrowed in on voiceover and uh it's been a really good year for me for voiceover you know there's yeah. been some really neat bookings and um i got some cool stuff that's coming out uh pretty soon uh that i'm excited about um but you know it's it's been really cool to be able to do it from home too uh you know i've worked on the simpsons for uh, many years doing uh their looping for for the show and i did a couple sessions for my home booth that's so cool. Like, how how amazing is that? And like, and and yeah, it's it, it, so that's been a really interesting adaptation. Um, and it's and it's made me consider how much I want to add back in too, because I've been so focused on voiceover. I'm kind of considering like, do I want how much how how far into each aspect of my career that I was in do I want to add back in, or do I want to stay focused in this one realm? And see, you know, see what that focus, where that focus can take me. So, uh, I'm in, I'm in a phase there where I'm considering that. Uh, Improv-wise, you know, I'm in a group called Gripley Improv. We're a improv, but also a production company. We produced a series of films, and we transitioned fully to doing shows on Twitch. So yep. we live stream our shows. And we did a, a live streamed improvised TV show called Heartbeats. And we've got another one that's going to be announced tomorrow. Follow Ripley Improv on Twitter. Find out. Um, uh, very exciting stuff. But we but we fully transitioned. Like, how do we take our desire to work in film and television and our desire to make improvised content to people during this time? So, you know, we've really adapted 
there. And that's been a really interesting and fun uh, journey for us as well. And we're connecting with a lot more people online too, which is cool. Oh, for sure. Well, you're tapping yeah. into different markets that maybe wouldn't have you wouldn't have access to, or they wouldn't have had access to you before. Now, anywhere, right. or, you know, you're just like right. People are like, I didn't know this existed, and I love it. So that's right. really cool. And so, it, and again, we're we're at this point where we're like, oh, we were doing shows in a black box theater in Los Angeles. Are we going to want to do that? Maybe some, but we're going to want to stay online. We've adapted in a way that we like, yeah. and that again is allowing us to connect with so many new people. It's like, well, that's that's a pretty cool, you know, making lemonade out of a very, very difficult situation. Very much so. Yes. Well, yeah. we have other questions, but the problem is I don't want to keep you all oh, no, dang no, day. No, no, Are you no. sure? Let's let's answer questions. Okay. All right. I just yeah. I don't want to make sure. I don't want to. I don't want to answer. I, I, I'm the one that. I, I, listen, if I keep talking. That's my clock, too. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then I'm, <laughs> I'm completely and utterly at your mercy. Uh, <laughs> this one comes in from Fragged, and he says, Hey there, Amanda. Hope you and the family are staying safe. So oh, my nice. question is a dark and depressing one, and here it goes. Well, oh. fans can be incredibly passionate, so the fans, and have a great connection to a story and character, it's not always good. In recent years, the negative or aggressive passion has been as loud, if not louder, than ever before, thanks social media. Mm. The clearest mm. example of this would be the disgusting reaction Laura Bailey received for her character in The Last of Us 2. Has this ugly side of fandom ever had an effect on you or anyone you know in the same line of work before taking on a role? Before taking on a role? Yeah, probably more, or maybe after too. I would think it probably, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I've met Laura Bailey. I, I wouldn't say that we are, we're not buddies, but I've met her. Uh, and that was very dark and very upsetting. Mm. Um, I can't say that it's affected me personally in any way. Um, but I understand the passion and that there is uh, in a certain way it's incredible that these stories are affecting people so deeply and so personally um on the other hand it is alarming in a way that there's this um inability to separate the actor from the story um, and I, I wonder if it's because things are becoming so much more, you know, like our friendships are on screen now yeah. and we meet people mm. on Twitter and we might know them for years before we actually meet them in person. Mm. And so there's this thing where the, the things we see on our screens are our reality mm. And so if we're telling stories on screen and then we're seeing friends on screen and we're never actually face to face with people, there's an impersonalization of what should be personal relationships and a personalization of things that are not personal. And I think it's probably a very difficult emotional terrain to navigate. Um, so, I haven't been affected by it, 
I do feel empathy for people who are struggling and that are, that are connecting deeply to these characters Mm -hmm. in this way. And I wish for more personal connection. Um, you know, I think this is why live theater is so important. Mm. Uh, because again, it's, it's that tangibility, um, which can be very, very hard to have, you know, like there's the, 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 the blessing of this interconnected world where we can all, you know, you can be across the globe and we can have a conversation. How cool is that? So cool. Whereas on the other hand, if it's all, if it's all without actual touch and sharing breath, which if I know that sounds gross, but sharing breath is a big part of being an actor is that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that inspiration, that sharing the actual atmosphere with people, it reminds us that we're all alive and vulnerable and we all feel pain mm. and we're all dealing with our own sorrows. And so I think reminding ourselves of that and remembering to be empathetic is, is really very important in this time. Yeah. Wonderfully said. Very apt. Fantastic. What a great, what a great answer. Uh, this one, a little more lighthearted. I just had to put that one on there because I was like, I really wanted to hear you talk about this. Um, this one comes in from DJ Strum. It says, question for Amanda with an exclamation point. What's your dream voice role? Certain existing character, maybe a Pixar film, etc. I don't know. I like that yeah. bird call you made, by the way. That was great. Ah! <laughs> um, yeah, of course I want to work on a Pixar film. That'd be amazing. Um, you know, it changes. Uh, like, like there's a part of me that, like, yeah, I'd like to be Harley Quinn one day. Um, there you go. What I'm really am interested in, I love characters that are really, really, really flawed. I love like a a a, a light villain, mm. um, where they're they want something um, very deeply and very badly, and maybe they make the wrong choices, but then they have a great arc towards understanding their like what what how they can be better or or where they where they missed an opportunity to, to create a friendship or what you know I love I love those kinds of characters, um, yeah I mean like I said earlier I fall in love with my characters and they always are in there they all live in like little nooks in my brain, um, so yeah I guess my dream character is the next one. Oh, there she goes. I love it. That's Hey, that's a good one. That's the next one. And the next one will be Harley Quinn. I'm just going to put it out there right now. Let's, Very good. Let's make it Very happen. And I don't know how Very we're going to do good. that. Um, this is a bonus question here at the very end mm-hmm. because we had some questions on Twitter, like you said. Also, Rick Hoke, he was asking about the framing. We kind of talked about the framing of Princess Bride with the, uh-huh, the uh-huh. grandfather and stuff. I think we kind of already addressed that. I think, so, I think we addressed it. Yeah, yeah. but the, the bonus question comes from Frank and it says, bonus question, I am having a little trouble getting this to work. Is it Wingardium Leviosa? Or Leviosa. You have to make the O nice and long. Uh, Leviosa. Uh, Wingardium Leviosa. Osa. There we go. How's but your... also, you, ha- you, you have to hold the image of what you want very clearly in your mind. Mm-hmm. Is, do you have... I was just saying, it, do you have a favorite spell? It's... Huh? Do you have a favorite spell? I'm sorry, I was going to cut you off there because I wanted to hear this, but hear both. Hmm. <sighs> Well, I have a little bit of a fraught relationship with Harry Potter right now, so oh, um, I'm sorry. I, 
Yeah, I mean, I just, um, trans lives matter. And oh, it sure. really, you know, and yeah. it upsets me because I think her stories are beautiful. But, uh, uh, but, um, do I have a favorite spell? I don't know. Um, how about this? It's love. Oh, that's <laughs> Ada. <laughs> it's a good spell. It's, it's very love. powerful. It's very it's good. what Dumbledore said. Yeah, totally. Like it's not no spell that was ever cast was more powerful. Yeah, Voldemort knows that firsthand, baby. Um, yeah, firsthand, because uh, uh, he touches his face and hurts and quirrell. And yeah, mm-hmm. first, yeah. Look at us. I'm trying over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm working with somebody who's an improv, so I got to be kind of shooting from the hip a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so well, I'm glad you also cleared it up. Now we all know how to say it properly. I'm not going to try to say it again. Because we all heard it the best way possible. And I'm from Minnesota or Minnesota. No, um, you know, it's. Uh, Be careful. You don't want Minnesota to fly. That's <laughs> true. You're right. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. There you go. Yeah, exactly. You'd see me. I'd be like, ah. Um, I'd be like, oh, dang it. Dang it. Well, how do I reverse it? Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, how do you reverse it? Oh, no. That's. Now, now I'm going to. Something new to keep me up tonight. Leviosa Wingardium. There. Oh. Oh, okay, there we oh, go. We did it. Okay. You'd be a great professor. Uh, you could be like you, the exchange professor from the United States. You're like, hey, I came oh, over or here. I just know. teach at the U.S. school, but you know. That's true. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Hello. You're like, I'd like to. I want to be over at Hogwarts. Thank you I'd very like much. To. That yeah, would that'd be, be great. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for answering all of these questions, just ranging all over the place and talking about Princess Bride today. It yeah, was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People know where to find me. However, if people want to find you on Twitter and uh, talk to you about the Princess Bride, the book, the film, or just other things in general, where can they find you? It's at Amanda underscore Troop on Twitter and Instagram. That's the best place. I do have a Facebook fan page, but I don't ever do anything with it. Um, sometimes I repost things from Instagram on it. So you can like that if you want, but really Instagram and Twitter. And, and I will be sharing... There's something coming out in May. There's oh something gosh. coming out in June. So do you follow me there so I can share those things with you. Um, and you can pick up a copy of Go the Distance, uh, the audiobook. Uh, I, I had a blast reading it, and I think it's a very nice story. So I, I recommend it very highly. Fantastic. Um, yeah. That's so cool. And uh, this week, I would implore people to go check out and support Ripley Improv. Oh, yes, can. please. Please do. Don't worry yeah. about me at all. Go check them out. Go see what they're <laughs> all about. They're online. They've adapted. They've overcome. They're doing new things. You know what I mean? It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And you're liking it, too, which I'm glad to hear, because I know sometimes people are like, I kind of miss doing it the old ways. And there's probably some of that still, too. But Absolutely. But, but some of the new the new things are so cool. The, yeah. the effects and the things that we're able to do. It's, a, it's it's really, really neat. So That's do fantastic. check it out. Yes, yeah. please do. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Please let me know how you enjoyed the show down in the comments or tweeted us or whatever else. And thank you so much to our patrons and everybody supporting us, just watching this, taking the time out of your day. You're fantastic. Last time, Amanda, thank you so much for being on. It was a true pleasure. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Yes. And to everybody else, until next time, just remember to adapt and overcome. 